1: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, March 17th, 2022. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. We're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day the only way we know how, by drowning ourselves in recruiting chatter with the best in the business, the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Curlick, the proprietor of Scotting, Ohio, and a fine member of our staff, Mark Porter. They have replaced Steve Wiltfong in our Thursday slot. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and we want you to submit as many questions as you can so I can do as little work as possible, which is what I'm good at. Steve is my therapist. I'm sorry we are late. We are getting going. We would be remiss if we did not mention the basketball tournament. Uh, I have the date correct now. They will be playing tomorrow against Loyola of Chicago, 12-15 in Pittsburgh. Pat Murphy and Steve Halwagon will be there. Let's hope for the sake of the front row that Chris Holtman gets a first-round win. Uh, we, may, we may have another meltdown of epic proportions, but these two guys on here aren't going to worry about that. They are all over-recruiting. Bill, we are going to start with you. Visit season has gotten underway at the WAC. It's sunny today. They're going to be putting their best foot forward. Give us an update of what's going on there, maybe some names of guys who have passed through uh, recent days.
0: Well, it uh, started, actually. Last week, first week, uh, uh, and that's a great, great. I State last week. Um, uh, it,
1: Thursday. All right, Mark. Looks like you and I are doing the show together here for some time. Bill has kicked out on us, um, as we all want to. Like everybody knows, we have switched to a new system to do the show and go live. We are still working out the kinks. I may start doing the show with five or six people, and then by the end of the show, I'll definitely have one person who can talk back to me in a coherent fashion. But thankfully, Mark and I are ready to vamp. Mark, you've got three videos coming out this week. Um, All guys Ohio State is looking after. When Ohio State doles out an offer, Mark will go to the board and give you the best video breakdown we can. That's one thing we can offer that no one else can. Mark's video capabilities are otherworldly. So we can offer you a little bit more insight into the guys they've offered. And Mark also has a direct line to Ohio state. So he knows what they're thinking. The three guys you have coming up this week, let's tackle them one by one.
2: Yeah. I didn't know we had to be coherent, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, We did Monroe Monroe Freeling this week. So we should probably touch on him for a second. I just did his video the other day, the big offensive lineman. Uh, He was like one of those puppies with really big paws at six, seven, and you're just dying to get a kid like that in your weight room with your weight program and see how he turns out in a couple years. He has NFL upside written all over him. Uh, First running back I've done in a little while, Anthony Carey out of Tampa. He's class of 2024 out of Carrollwood down there. And talk about Travion Henderson clone or cut from the cloth of Travion Henderson. Kid's only about 185 pounds, but there's electric running through his body. Uh, I don't want to You know, uh, cut these videos where I give you too much of my evaluation on them. I want to kind of prop them up so you want to watch them when they come out in a few days. But, boy, he's about as electric as I've seen since the Travion Henderson days, and he's only a sophomore. So the upside there is tremendous. Uh, Damian Fagan is a safety out of American Heritage down in Florida, class of 2023. And when I watched him, I want to say my spidey senses were tingling about what a great football player he was. He did a lot of things where he was playing through trash and weaving in and out of blockers and making awkward tackles where he was putting his body uh, in harm's way to, like, make the play. Uh, That kid has football player written all over him, and I really liked his film. And then A.J. Hoffer, the defensive end, class of 2023, Woodward Academy in Georgia. Wow. You know, a freak show is not an evaluative term I use often, but he was a freak show. Uh, About 10 years ago, I think it was, we, we did Jadavian Clowney coming out of North Carolina. And the way he came through those holes and was hitting people in the backfield, he was a, a sensation before, you know, the internet was really a sensation. This A.J. Hoffer comes off the ball the same way with explosion, blowing gaps, uh, tons of sacks, tons of uh, lost yardage plays. I think that there's not too many linemen that actually laid a paw on him during the season because his little head fake and jab step left them uh, punching at air. So he, he's going to be a great one when we release his video.
1: Jadavian Clowney was definitely a South Carolina native. There's no way he would have gone to South Carolina if he lived in North Carolina. That guy was a uh, a hometown discount. I knew it was the Carolinas. Uh, We are going to make an attempt to bring back the dean. Bill, let's give this another shot. If it doesn't work, we apologize. But what is up at the whack?
0: Well, uh, before I go to that, Jadavian Clowney, you guys were talking about. I saw him uh, when he was in high school. And he would be in my top five guys that I've seen in person in 35 years. I mean, he was just crazy. He'd be up there. You know, my my some of my other top five guys. Orlando Pace is at the absolute pinnacle, as good as I've ever seen. Andy Katzenmoyer and Clowney would be another one. He, like like Mark likes to say, he's an absolute freak show. Nobody could block him. I saw him. Uh, at a combine, the best of the best, and nobody could block that kid. Uh, But back to the whack. uh, we were talking about the players that visited, the recruits that visited last week, uh, the first week of spring practices, and it was a very good group uh, led by somebody that has become very famous on our site, Tackett Curtis. Uh, You talk about a, a freak show. When he hits people, they, they stay hit. And one clip that I was sent of him that uh, I did put up, he hit a quarterback in practice, and literally the quarterback's helmet was rolling off into the distance. He hit him so hard, knocked the quarterback's helmet off, and it rolled away. Um, but he, he was the leader. Arvell Reese got an offer. Linebacker from Cleveland, got an offer from Ohio State on his visit. By the way, back at Manny, Louisiana. Uh, these guys, twenty-three kids. Uh, so, so they were kind of headliners, along with Bryson <laughs> Rogers, a wide receiver, two thousand twenty-three, Florida, who already had an offer from Ohio State. But things ramp starting next week because spring break is over. I mean, spring practices. It's going to be uh, about three weeks. Great for Ohio State uh, uh, on the twenty-second. This yesterday, five star Notre Dame defensive end commitment. Keon is visiting Ohio state. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, I, I think right now he's pretty well, uh, good with his Notre Dame commitment, but Ohio State, so we will see what happens. Uh, uh late, uh, you've got Joel,
1: unfortunately, uh, Bill,
0: not gonna Bill, work. Safety from four. You hate yeah, to cut Bill. off the
1: dean. You hate to cut off the dean, Mark. I don't like to cut off my elders, but uh, we gave it a shot. And once again, we apologize for the technical malfunctions, but definitely frustrating. There's a topic on there that we've hit before that I think deserves some expansion, Mark, and that is the rehook of the Glenville pipeline. Now, will we ever approach the levels that it was before? Of course not. But there's two guys there now who uh, are on the radar officially. And then there are some guys coming behind him. Let's talk about the two guys that they have offered West and Reese.
2: Yeah. Bryce West uh, class of 2024 uh, first game of the year. Last year I went to see was Chardon versus Glenville. I will always want to see Glenville before they get into their Senate league schedule and the talent or the competition drops off and first game in action for a sophomore Are you kidding me? He's making plays in the end zone. He's returning interceptions for touchdowns. It was like the Bryce West show, and it was like, I'm glad I went to that game. And then to watch him be quiet, and no one really know about him all year, and then to watch him blow up was a fun – it's fun to be a scout when you see that process happen, and you were right about him 10 weeks ago, and it all comes to fruition. Uh, He ran a 4.56 at the uh, Best of Midwest Combine, and that's in February, March. That's before these kids are in track shape, before they're trained. Yeah, let's get
1: that real quick. The 40 times, people are now – up on the forties. Cause they watched the combine. Yep. And so, uh, I remember back in the day when I covered high schools and actually worked the, some coaches wouldn't give me the 40 time because they felt like it was such a misreported thing. Like if you run a real four, four, that's like Olympic speed. People don't realize that. So when the people throw around a four five, six, they say, Oh, uh, that's actually flying.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Yeah, and, you know, we could do a whole segment on these 40 times and a hand time versus a laser time. We saw the Buckeyes run these ridiculous times. Then we found out a day later that the times were bumped up a little bit because the laser time was different than the hand time. And track coaches will tell you there's probably a, a tenth and a half th- or like a tenth or maybe 0.2 difference. So if you ran a four or five on a hand time, that's probably uh, a four or seven, you know, on a laser. So you had the two tenths to it. So his time being a four five eight was one of the best at the combine. And, and when you do these combines, if everybody's running hand times, what I like to do is do the comparative thing for that day. Who was the best that day? And that'll tell me who the fastest was. And I don't get too sticky about was it a four five? Was it a four four? Was it a hand? I just kind of relative to that day. Give me the top mm-hmm. dogs at each position. And yeah, then it's I, a relative
1: I number. That's the key.
2: It's, it's a relative number, sort of like a GPA. When the, the teacher says, hey, we're grading on a curve today uh, and 82 is an A, well, the four-five-eight was the A plus or the four-five-six was the A plus for him that day. And, you know, being that young and that heavy, he's 180, 190 pounds. That's a thick kid being that young. You don't see times like that. Uh, the Nike combine used to come in and use laser timing. And I remember looking at all the kids who ran under a 4-6. I don't think any of them weighed over 155 pounds. Because track guys are usually featherweights. They're usually super light. They're 140 pounds. There's nothing to them. They're not guys with big bowling ball shoulders that you send between the tackles and football. That's why you don't see a lot of track guys that transfer the talent over to football as the height and weight. So really diving into this 40 time. He did it early in the year. He did it at a heavier weight. He did it at a young age. So, boy, stock up for Bryce West. And then Arvel Reese. Uh, He played for Euclid last year, and I walked into the game versus Strong's. Of course, Blake Miller jumps out, but right across from him standing there is Arvell Reese, and your eyes immediately go to the longest kid on the field. Uh, 6'4", I have a friend of mine that I played with in college that's coaching him now, Maury Norris. He's a coach at Glenville, and he's been working out with Arvell, and he says he's put on 20 pounds since he's come over from Euclid. And I know they have him in the classroom doing extra stuff. Uh, Glenville will turn all these players into Ohio State-caliber classroom players and football players. Mm. Uh, The training program at Glenville and the track program is second to none. Those guys are in the weight room every day. The the dedication from the coaches there, Coach Ginn and some of the guys I know, they love this offseason. This is almost more fun for them than it is the football season. So I know we really digressed into that Glenville thing, but Arvell Reese is a high-upside player. Uh, Ohio State jumped on him early because of the pipeline. You know – Uh, Michigan called the day after USC called the day after all these other big schools were late to the Arvell Reese party because he was an unknown, especially coming from another school.
1: You expect both of them to be Buckeyes. I assume.
2: Yeah, I I have a heavy lean that way. I know Arvell is going to go take this visit to USC. And if you remember Audrey Walker, uh, the Glenville offensive lineman, that might be the only other player in my realm that went to USC from Ohio. So I would say the chances of him going there are slim to none, but, yeah, you know, Audrey Walker did it from Glenville less than 10 years ago.
1: I do remember that vividly. It was uh, the sun tempting a young man from the Midwest out to the luxurious West Coast. All right, Bill, last chance for the Dean. We're going to give it a shot. There's a question on the board from Ed Rogers Is Joe Royer good? We haven't seen him in Columbus. You saw him in high school. Tell us.
0: I was impressed with him in high school. In fact, I saw him a couple times in person uh, during games. And, uh, you know, he's 6'5". At that point, he was 220 pounds and uh, played split out at times. He was very effective and a good player. And, you know, when you're coming into Ohio State and Jeremy Record is there, you're not going to take Jeremy Record's place. You know, Jeremy Records is an outstanding tight end uh so his time will come i think as, as far as warrior goes and and real quick back to uh you guys were talking about aj hoffler and how good he is he is one of the guys that's going to be in columbus soon he's been to ohio state a couple times he's going to be at ohio state on march 26th and he's a guy that high state would love to get
1: bill you sound great before this screws up again give us the four or five names we should be watching for the next few weeks that are coming in and the ones that are the top of the Dean's list?
0: Well, Hoffler obviously is one of them. Carnell Tate. Oh my goodness. Mark and I saw him at Ohio state in June. And as we both commented on, he looked like he was an Ohio state wide receiver uh, and could tutor the kids there. He looked
2: that good. And at that point he was just, uh... I remember, Bill, I remember thinking that an Ohio state receiver was helping run routes with the kids, showing them how to do it that day, thinking, who did they put in the drills today? And are they allowed to do that? I, I think was my, my comment, like the no violation. Field. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's Carnell Tate. He's a junior, uh, heading toward his senior year. So he'll be at Ohio state. A, a bunch of guys are going to be at Ohio state, April 1st to April 3rd, um, Florida kids, um, and, and great ones. Brandon Innes, the number one wide receiver in the country. Uh, another Florida kid will be there. Uh, also, uh, uh, Damon Fagan, Mark has mentioned him. Uh, he's, a, he's an outstanding talent. So the list coming up for kids visiting Ohio State in the next two weeks is extremely impressive, and I've got to name a young kid, Ryan Montgomery, quarterback from Findlay. He's going to be uh, with his brother, with his family at Ohio State at the end of this month. And, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Mark and I have seen him in person multiple times and uh, just a tremendous quarterback prospect.
1: This is a slight digression, but I didn't realize that I had met Luke Montgomery before until yesterday I realized he was the center on LeBron James's son's basketball team. I met Luke Montgomery in a Las Vegas uh, elevator because the team was getting on the elevator and Luke, and I think they were going into the seventh grade at the time, and Luke and the other center on the team were so big. They had to get on the elevator with another family, and that was us. So Luke held the door, uh, was a uh, yes-sir, no-ma'am kind of guy. I'm very impressive, but he has chosen basketball. By the way, the other guy's name was Joss something, and in seventh grade was about six foot seven and 275 pounds. So he did not come to Ohio State. But we know Ryan Montgomery is on the list and someone we are very, very excited about. And the fact that he's just a freshman probably affects quarterback recruiting – more than anyone else, and then you figure he's going to be coming to watch his brother play a lot, so we feel good about that. But let's get back to Carnell Tate real quick. Bill, Tom Loy threw a crystal ball towards Ohio State. I imagine that actually hurt his fingers as he pushed on his mouse. What do you think of that call?
0: Well, I I do a column, I guess you'd say, a feature uh, on Saturday mornings, uh, most Saturday mornings, called If I Had to Predict Right Now and – uh, I have had Carnell Tate in there a couple different times starting starting months and months ago. And every time I, I've said that uh, if I had to predict right now that I would pick Ohio State for Carnell Tate, and I still feel that way. So I'm not surprised that uh, necessarily Tom flipped that pick. I think Carnell is likely going to Ohio State. I want to see um, how the visit goes. I think it will go great when he is here uh, at the beginning of April. He has been on, at Ohio State, as we've talked about. Multiple times, and I, I like the Buckeyes' chances, absolutely.
1: Here's what won't hurt with that. Before he makes his decision, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to become multimillionaires, and every draft projection you see for next year is going to have Jackson Smith and the Jigba in the soon-to-be super millionaire category. So people have to remember this. Guys of Carnell Tate's ilk are definitely coming to Ohio State to help the Ohio Brethren get wins. These guys are coming to Ohio State to get to the NFL. And he even said yesterday that they clearly laid that path. And we know that Brian Hartline is an assassin out there. He actually plays on a seven-on-seven seven team with Brandon Innes. Mark, who do you like better?
2: Boy, you know, Brandon Innes had to play quarterback this year. And when I did his film, you know, I'm watching it and I'm going, wow, where are these wild plays? Because I'm looking at him thinking – but you have to go back a year to see Brandon Ennis at receiver and see why he's the number one receiver in the country. And then when you put those two together, boy, so it's, it's a one, a one B it's a Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave situation. You know, there's people that I talked to that like one better than the other there still. And, and everyone, no one ever sees that the same way. Uh, what I liked about Ennis is how heavy he was and how explosive he was around 190 pounds. I, I think I compared him to a little bit of the Debo Samuel AJ Brown type of player. Those guys are, 200, 220 or whatever, but this kid's only in high school, but he was a powerful guy running through arm tackles, running through hands and feet that are, you know, slapping at him, that type of stuff. And Carnell Tate, just the polish, the hands, the one-handed catch he made at IMG, was that in the the, the Ohio game at the Hall of Fame? I mean, he's done so many amazing things. These guys are like the Emeka Abuka I did in the the Harrison films where it's it's hard to believe they're in high school. Old, the reps and the experience they have going into their junior, senior years, they look like college players. But, boy, I don't, I don't know if you pick one. I'd say Carnell Tate because Ennis was a quarterback this year, and it kind of makes me think Tate's got more polished or whatever. But, boy, if you saw Ennis at quarterback, he was impressive there. I mean, just explosive on all the run plays. But both great guys. I mean, really 1A, one 1B one type players. And, and Dan, I want to add one
0: thing to Ennis. Uh, There are a lot of crystal ball picks coming in now recently for Ennis to USC, and and that may well happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But um, if you talk to some of the current Ohio State commitments in that class, the class of 2023, they would uh, a little Lee Corso and say, not so fast, my friends. Um, They feel pretty confident that Brandon Ennis, when all is said and done, will be a Buckeye. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Right now it's kind of the – The ball pit versus uh, Ohio State, what they think.
1: That would be amazing. Um, Like I said, I really think it helps that you're going to have several Buckeyes enter the elite tax bracket in the near future. Let's get to some other guys who will be in the mix coming up, and that is the Buckeyes themselves. I asked you guys to pick out a couple guys you think you want to hear about Mark, there's a couple offensive linemen that you scattered we haven't heard anything from yet. A little bit troubling, but uh, hard to crack through here.
2: Oh, you know, like, I always look at the Ohio guys when they go to Ohio State, and when are they going to show up on the field? Uh, Of course, Ben Christman is a name I haven't heard much about since he's been at Ohio State. I think there may have been an injury, but he's one of those guys that just like Troy, uh, Trey LaRue, that they were going to take a few years in the oven to, to finish bacon before they showed up on the field. They had work to do. They were projects. They were upside guys, we would say. Uh, this is the season. This is the spring where I'm looking at those two to make a difference and maybe be that sixth offensive lineman or that next guy in the rotation. Uh, Trey LaRue is as big a human as they have on the roster at Ohio State. It's just a matter of time. And Crispin was a guy that he was an inside player in high school, and I, I kept thinking... He needs a few more years to get in the weight room and really thicken up. And that's the kind of the guys, you know, said, you know, they're not the guys they're talking about on the boards every day. They're a little bit off the radar. But for me, I remember watching them in high school, and and I'd like to see them come out the other side on the field someday here.
0: Bill? Uh, I'll switch to the secondary. Uh, Mark's talking offensive line there. I'll switch to the secondary. Uh, I'll be interested to see. Uh, Legend Cavazos, you know, we've heard a lot of great things uh, about him in practices for uh, a couple years now, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy, unfortunately. Um, uh, so I'll, you know, hopefully he'll have a very healthy spring on into the summer and the season. I'll be watching him. You know, really talented kid that uh, that uh, you know. We'll see how it goes for him, but he's a really talented kid. And I think he's going to be a factor if he stays healthy. He's going to be a good player for the Buckeyes. And the other one is another uh, another cornerback. Jaqueline Johnson mm-hmm. out of three, very highly recruited, very highly ranked um, uh, kid with some length to him. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how he does this spring as well. Bill, there was
1: a question put on the board from Osbornello with Keon Keeley visiting the 22nd. What's your intel on the situation?
0: Well, as uh, we talked about, he is visiting. Uh, he seems pretty con- with his Notre Dame commitment and he has some Notre Dame connections there with, uh, uh, guys that he knows a friend's going to go there as a, a walk on and things. So he seems pretty content. I, he seems pretty happy with the Marcus Freeman, uh, elevation, uh, there to head coach. So all that said though, he is visiting, he's going to visit Ohio state. And, um, he, even when he told me that, um, that he was going to visit Ohio State, and that was back as, you know, I think that was in, if I remember right, December, he told me he was going to visit Ohio State. Uh, he, He was seemed very, oh, I would say content, again, with his commitment. But when you get him on campus, Ohio State does a great job once they get these kids on campus, and I'm sure they'll do a great job with him. He is visiting Ohio State with his family, so we'll see what happens.
1: Mark, you can tackle what we got on screen there from Ed Rogers. How many national championships do you you experts expect this decade? Clearly that question is posed for you too.
2: Yeah, I've I've watched enough of uh, Ohio State head coaches talk to their team and talk to the campers to say they expect to win all of them or they should be fired. Uh, The place is made out of gold. It's like a casino. They have more money and more uh, ability to bring players in. They have no excuses not to win them like Urban said, so they should win all of them. And it's just every year, where are they going to finish in that four or five range or are they going to finish at number one? And the four or five range is a failure form every year. And, and I don't mind saying that because that's what, you know, I've heard the coaches say to the players is we bring you in here and we expect to win national championships. Uh, same thing at Alabama. Same thing. You're, you're playing at that level when you come to Ohio State uh, with this NIL money. I expect that to be ramped up. Like, there's no excuse that, you know, Ohio State won't have the NIL money everybody else has and be able to put together a national championship-type squad. Uh, Injuries and other things aside, usually derail it. But, you know, realistically, you want to get a couple in the decade if you're Ohio State, but I know they want to win all 10.
1: Yeah, I think the over-under is one and a half. Bill?
2: Well,
0: you know, it's been pretty obvious what has held them back um in recent years is their defense you know Mm -hmm. it it has not been up to national stand national championship standards um Jim Knowles has come in and I really think he's going to do a great job and and I think they're going to be uh in line for a national championship or two in the coming years because I think their defense is going to be a lot better but that's where to me hey they're scoring enough points (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's points but you got to stop people and I think Jim Knowles will get that done
1: Here, Mark, I'm going to read this question out loud. It's a long one, but it kind of sticks with the theme we're on here with Jim Knowles, who, by the way, I can tell you from the page views is about the most popular person in Buckeye Nation right now. From Michael Hester, with the style of defense that we'll be running, with the emphasis on safety and limited linebacker play, how is that going to affect a recent class that had three top linebackers added? That's the, I assume he's talking about Sonny Styles and C.J. Hicks. Will that prompt transfer possibility for the likes of that top talent? Either one, you can tackle that one. And Gabe, don't forget, Gay.
2: I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, Gabe Powers, still. Um, I, I was going to go a, a different uh, way with this question. I know we there's been a lot of criticism of the linebackers, but this is an entirely new scheme. Um, you know, I did that Bucknuts Eye in the Sky every week and. Something I noticed is Ohio state would play a lot of vanilla looks, a lot of vanilla defenses where their linebackers were standing five yards off the ball and they were reading and reacting. And against the big 10, they were successful with that against inferior talent. They were successful playing a, a base defense. And it's almost like they felt like they were a bully and they didn't have to do much or decorate the defense much. And then the criticisms came and you saw more zone blitzes and they moved around a little bit more, but for the most part, the linebackers were put in a very tough position in that defense because they were in a base vanilla defense a lot. You're getting the opposite of a base vanilla defense with Knowles. Uh, watching some of the film of his defenses and watching what he does, these linebackers will be lined up all over the field. They'll be up on the line. They'll be standing back. They'll be. It won't be the same. It's almost a linebacker advantageous defense, and same with the three safeties. The three safeties will intermingle with those linebackers, and you may see safeties roll up as linebackers. So I think this defense will help the linebackers that were being criticized before and maybe make them a little better players and not put the spotlight on them. And then to this guy's question, these guys coming in are only going to be fuel where we put as a team an emphasis on bringing in better linebackers, more speed, whatever it was, but we needed a linebacker. So he's uh, coach Knowles is the benefit of that. He's going to get better talent to put into a system. That's going to help the linebackers out. So I think it goes twofold. Bill.
0: One other thing I'd add about that is that uh, uh, also, you know, Jim Knowles is the defensive coordinator, but his area, if you picked one area out of specialty, is linebackers. He's going to be tutoring the linebackers. So you got the defensive coordinator that also happens to be the linebackers' coach, and that can be nothing but good for the linebackers.
1: Goat at 42 asks Will Carney? Will Carnell Tate be a Buckeye? We addressed that earlier. You will like it. Go back and listen to the earlier part of the show. I think all three of us are very optimistic that Carnell Tate will end up at Ohio State. All right, Bill. I have a question for you that a lot of people will be fired up about. Have you shed any tears about the impending exit of Baker Mayfield from the Browns?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not. Sh- I'm just thinking that they better have plan B, C, and D ready, because I'm not convinced Deshaun Watson is going to be a Brown, and I'm pretty convinced that Baker Mayfield is not going to be a Brown. So if Deshaun Watson isn't a Brown, I hope they have, for Browns fans, a plan B, maybe a plan
2: C and D ready, is all I can say. Mark? Yeah, uh, Mitchell Trubisky's looking real good all of a sudden.
1: That's how you know it's the off season because people start to convince themselves that past foibles are no longer applicable. And Mitchell Trubisky got super hot. So good Lord. uh, The Steelers fans have a lot to look forward to or not. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Dwayne Haskins could be their own podcast in and of themselves, but that will be for after hours.
2: We really appreciate
1: Mark and the Dean stopping by. We apologize for whatever limited technical difficulties we had, and we're psyched that the dean got back on with bells on once again. Ohio State's basketball team will be in action tomorrow at 1215. We hope everybody has a happy and safe St. Patrick's Day. Have a good one, Bucknutters.